started a new series last week um, called God at Work, um, a spirit talking about who the Holy Spirit is, what he does, kind of talking about that. And um, in preparation, you know, a lot of times uh, Pastor Rob and I kind of plan out um, the series where he kind of tells me where he's going to go. And if he's gone, you know, he'll say, this is kind of what I want to do. And um, maybe you can do something with this. And um, I was just thinking about, so this this time around, he just said, um, just talk about the Holy Spirit, like whatever you want, which got me thinking about the first time I ever preached here um, was Christmas, and we were doing a series called Joy to the World, and he decided we we're going to do like joy one week to the world, and he was like, so you preach a sermon on the word too. <laughs> and I was like, this is going to be my first time, this is what you're going to throw me, like, hey, get up on there and preach a sermon about the word too. And so, uh, so I'm, I'm excited about this. This is a lot better. Uh, there's, there's a lot more to say about the Holy Spirit than the word too. Um, so anyway, um, so what I want to focus, um, our attention on this morning as we, as we talk about the Holy Spirit, um, is is this idea of unity, unity within the church and how the Holy Spirit empowers us to live in unity. Um, you know, I t- I, um, a lot of times I'll use, like, music as a sermon illustration. I like music. I, I, I do a lot. I usually talk about how weird the music I am or the weird music I listen to. And during First Church, JP was like, uh-huh. We, like, a couple of months ago, Pastor JP and I, like, went camping um, together. And we, uh, on, like, the three-hour drive back, like, I'm driving, so I'm, like, DJing, right? And uh, he, after one song was over, he was like, that's the weirdest song I've ever heard. And I was like, I was trying to keep it pretty tame. Like, I didn't want to drive you nuts, so I was, like, going more, like, middle-of-the-road weird kind of stuff, so... Anyway, but um, I do listen to, like, this much classical music from time to time. How, how many of you like classical music? A few of you. How, much, how, how, how many of you like it this much? Just a little bit. You just, time to time. Uh, yeah, that's where I'm at. I won't, I won't claim to, you know, listen to tons of it, but, you know, I, I listen to some, some of it. I'm a little bit familiar and stuff, but um, I wanted to use this illustration of, um, an orchestra to kind of um, be our basis for for what unity um, looks like within the church. Um, the unique thing about like orchestral music is it it takes like a lot of people, right? An orchestra is like a big group of people. You you have multiple violins, violas, cellos, flutes. You kind of have like five of each, right? Um, and so because of that. You know, you don't really, like, have solos, you know, in, in, in orchestra music. Like, it all just kind of moves together and has a melody and harmony together. But there's not, like, you know, a, a standout instrument most of the time. There is sometimes, but most of the time, uh, not so. And the the variety, like, between instruments is, like, a lot when it comes to orchestral music, right? Like you have, you, you know, your violins are like stringed instruments and you have flutes that, you know, you blow into and it's a totally different sound. You have timpani, you have, you have all these different things. You have cellos and basses and, and tubas and all that kind of stuff. And they, 
the amazing thing is you have all these different things, but they work together. They, they, they play, if they're playing one song together, there's a beauty that comes from that, right? There's a beauty that comes from that diversity of music. But it's only beautiful because it's in unison, because they're playing the same song. If you have people playing different songs at the same time, it doesn't sound good, um, speaking from experience. And so we, we, we have this idea um, that, that there's, there's beauty in unity, but there's also beauty in diversity. Because like, I, was, I, was, I was thinking about, you know, if, if you were playing a song and it's, and, it, and it's one note, it's just one, kind of like Buddhist monk, you know, that sort of thing. It, that, that's like kind of a little bit boring. But if you, if you start to stack notes, right, you're like getting to beauty. I'm not saying that's beautiful yet. But, but you're working in that direction a little bit. And so, you know, I imagine like if you had this orchestra and they, they were all playing just like melody, like the exact same notes. Like every, you, you know, it kind of sounded like a second grade band a little bit, you know, where every single instrument is going, bom, 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 bom. not very beautiful. But you have all these different, when, when you have instruments playing different notes within the same song, playing different parts, then like true beauty can, can come out. And, you know, the, Art is, like, kind of interesting to me in that, like, music and, and, and like, photography and, and um, you know, paintings and stuff. You know, it's interesting to me how, like, especially music, like, why are we, like, attracted to it as human beings, right? Like, you know, our, you know, our oldest Everly, you know, basically f- uh, from the time she could, like, stand, like, if you played music, she was, like, we have, like, a few videos of her just standing on our coffee table, like, doing this motion. And it's, like, you don't have to, like, teach children to, like, love music. She loves uh, Old MacDonald Had a Farm so bad um, that she just says E-I-E-I-O all the time. She's, like, and, and we, have, we have, like, these um, echo dots all around our house. You guys know what those are? They're the things that you're, like, Alexa, Alexa. Uh, I can I can just say Alexa play Old MacDonald had a farm and this song starts going it's like a Sesame Street version and Everly like loves it she's like E I E I O she like grabs it and 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 loves it and it, we don't have to be taught to love music right it's just something within us and and I think um God created it that way because there's something about art whether it's seen or heard that taps into an intuition that we have that this world is supposed to be ordered, right? Music taps into, when, when we see a beautiful work of art or we hear um, a beautiful piece of music, we, something feels right about it. And we can know when it feels wrong, right? When, when something's off, we're like, you know, when, some, when someone's singing next to you at church and they're a little bit flat, you feel it. You're like, come on, get that note up there. And, and so we, we can spot out dissonance. We can, we can spot that out. But, but art taps into this intuition that, that 
life is supposed to have like this order, this unity, and we recognize it when we see it, and we long for it. You know, we as human beings have this longing for music and art and like beautiful things. It appeals to us. And God, in the beginning, you know, Pastor Rob talked last week about the Holy Spirit hovering and creating, and, and that God is a creator God, and in, in, in creation, we see that God, from the beginning, dreamed of creating something that would be like a beautiful, unending, majestic, orchestral piece, right? That, that everything in this world would, would be unified and work together and paint this beautiful picture or play this beautiful song. Um, and that's what creation is supposed to be, that every rock, every blade of grass, um, every bird... I think some insects, maybe not, um, slugs and and uh, snails I'm not a fan of yesterday. Um, I have these uh, chicken, uh, when I go into the chicken coop, I wear these knockoff Crocs that I got at Walmart, and they don't drain water very well, and it's rained a lot, so there's a lot of water in my shoes yesterday, and so I went in there, and I dumped out the water. And then I stuck my foot in. It was kind of slimy. And then I was like, oh, there's two rocks in here. And then I, like, shook it out, and two snails came out um, of my shoe. And it wasn't a pleasurable experience. And so something within me thinks that maybe um, snails, uh, that's not God's intended purpose for them to be in your shoes when when you put them on. But... But humans, birds, animals, everything is supposed to work together in this, in this beautiful harmony, right? That is supposed to reflect uh, God. You know, artists, when they create something, it usually reflects them in some way. It's a reflection of them. And so God, who is loving, who is creative, who is all-powerful, he, he wanted to create this creation that reflected that. And here's an interesting thing. Uh, science tells us that actually, like, all matter, like, you know, everything that we're made out of is, is moving energy, right? Like, it's just waves that are moving. So in a, in a very real sense, like, if, if we didn't have eyes, but we had finely, finely tuned ears, we could, we could hear things around us. We could hear uh, what this room looks like. We could hear, like, the color yellow, because every single thing, like, even colors have different frequencies, right? And so in some, some, some way, you know, this this world, this creation is is a beautiful orchestral piece, um, and so part of God's design, because He's all loving, and He wanted um, His creation to reflect His His lovingness, um, wanted to create creatures that were capable of loving. So some 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 creatures, humans and angels. Um, he gave free will so that they could love, right? You, you understand, love can't be forced, right? Love has to be a choice. Every, everyone here has seen um, uh, Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, right? It's a classic. you got to see it if you haven't. Um, in that movie, I'm reminded, like, there's, the, there's like, the VHS, VHS, like, tape portion and... and, and Macaulay Culkin's character is like in the in the room, and the concierge come up, you know, and he's running away from him. So he plays that like video to like scare him off, you know, and like part of it. I was thinking about this, uh, you know, 
they're like, we're, we're sorry or whatever. And, he, and the video says, get down on your knees and tell me you love me. And so they're like, I'll get down on their knees, you know. And he's like, I love you. And then he's like, you got to do better than that. And so they all together are like, I love you, you know. And then gunshots go off and they run out. Anyway, that, that reminded me of like, uh, love can't be forced, right? You can't, you can't um, hold someone at gunpoint and, and tell them to love you. That won't be love. They might say it, but they won't feel it, right? And I said this during first church, and someone after church came out to me and said, um, you've never been to a redneck wedding <laughs> where uh, the, bride's, the bride's father has a white shotgun. And I was like, is that real? <laughs> and he didn't know. Is that real? I hope not. Uh, but anyway, um, so love can't be forced, right? You have to have a choice. You have to be able to opt out. So in this, in this beautiful um, creation, this orchestra that God created, he, he allowed it so that love could exist, that humans and angels could, could opt out of the orchestra, that they could choose to go solo, that they could not be a part if they, if they desired. And so, you know, we're told of ages eight and ages ago, this group of angels um, decided that they didn't want any part of it. They didn't want to sing God's song anymore. They wanted to sing their own song that would tell of their own glory. And so this, this angel named Lucifer, later known as Satan, uh, broke off and started doing his own thing. And then later he... Uh, he tricked Adam and Eve in, into into believing that that it would be better to to go solo, to not be a part of God's intended creation, to not sing a song. Why 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 play a cello when you can just do it? You know, he's like, why play cello when you can play electric guitar, right? You can you can be the solo solo guy, and and creation ever since um, is messed up from that. Just like I said earlier, you can hear when something is off, right, in a, in a, in a song. Every once in a while in practice, um, and sometimes on Sundays, uh, I hit, like, a way wrong note. But in practice, I'll just keep on doing it. I'll keep on hitting the wrong note to make everyone unsure of whether I'm doing it on purpose or not. Like, is that wrong, or am I just hearing it weird? Um, but you can hear, like, when something's off, right? And the same is true of, of creation, of this world we live in. You know, much of it is good and beautiful, right? You go outside and the sun is shining and there's, there's a lot of good things going on. But there's definitely dissonance that we experience in our day-to-day lives. We come across things that just don't feel right. There's sickness. There's brokenness. There's poverty. There's broken homes, broken relationships. There are people in need all over the world, children that are hungry. And that doesn't sit right with us, right? In the same way that a note that sticks is a wrong note in a song just sticks out and it doesn't feel right. But this is the result of of people playing a different song. 
the result of human beings and, and angels choosing to, to play a different song that isn't God's song. But, but God did not give up on us, right? As soon as this happened, as soon as uh, man fell, as soon as Adam and Eve made that mistake of believing the snake, God enacted a, a rescue plan, right? From then on, we see throughout scriptures how God is leading up to sending his son, Jesus, who will reharmonize the world, that will set everything right, that, that will put things back in order, that will, that will teach us a new song. And, and Jesus came to reharmonize and make it a beautiful world again, bring harmony. Um, I want to read from Ephesians 1 and then go on to Colossians um, 1 as well. Ephesians 1, verse 9. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Jesus Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment. So God made known the mysteries of what he was up to in Jesus Christ. And when it came time, he sent his song to bring unity to all things in heaven and under uh, and on earth under Christ. So we see here that that the world is obviously in need of uh, bringing unity. The, the world is broken. We do not experience unity right now. Um, but but God sent his son to to bring unity, not just to earth, but to heaven also, right? To Not just to, like, the physical world that we experience here, but, like, the spiritual world also. Go on to Colossians. For God ha- was pleased to have all his fu- fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So here we see that we live in this world that is not reconciled to Christ, that it is a part of him, that it, it, it is not in unison, not in sync with him. But Christ Jesus came to fix that. And it is through the work of the Holy Spirit that we, the church, are able to uh, practice that unity. Uh, the, the, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, empowers us to live um, as God intended us for us to do. Um, this applies to, to uh, humans uniquely, right? Because of what we talked about earlier, that we um, have free will. This, this has a unique effect on us. Uh, go to Ephesians 2. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one. This is talking here, Paul is writing about the Jews and the Gentiles. And, and um, you know, the Christian church, when it first started, it was all Jews. And then these Gentiles got saved. And there's, you know, there's a discussion of uh, what, what all do they have to do in order to be Christian? What all practices do they have to do? And what, what Paul is saying here, and this applies to all people groups, right? Not just Jews and Gentiles, but all the divisions we feel today, right? God came uh, to make all groups one, and he has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Amen? That's what God came here to do, to bring peace. Now, I want, I want to point out, it says, for he himself is our peace, Jesus did not come to bring peace. 
He is the peace. God did not come to bring unity. He is the unity, right? And so um, you can think of it as he didn't come to teach us how to play in a symphony. He is the symphony in which we play, right? Everything we do, everything we act needs to be in unison, in line as if we are playing the song that, that is Christ Jesus, that, that he came to manifest. Um, when, when we begin to sing the song of Christ, when we begin to all line ourselves up and play our parts correctly, the, the problem of diversity becomes beautiful, right? In, in an orchestra, if you had all these different instruments playing different songs, it doesn't sound good, right? It sounds terrible. But if they're all playing the same songs, there is beauty that comes from that. And so in our lives, if, if we ourselves as Christians follow what, what Christ Jesus lays out for us, if, if we become a, a body of unity and we play the song that Christ Jesus plays, the, the diversity amongst us becomes a beautiful thing, right? So often diversity is a problem, right? Sometimes diversity causes rifts, um, problems, you know, we, we ourselves here, you know, I've seen multiple um, prayer cards on Wednesday nights just praying, saying pray for Tulsa, pray for, you know, in light of um, the recent trial with the police, you know, pray for, for peace and unity. And so we struggle, like, with that. That is definitely an issue. And, but what Christ came to do is, is to unify us and take our diversity and make it a beautiful thing. Right? And so the church, the purpose of the church is to display this unity. Right? That in a world of division, a world of problems, a world of people fighting amongst each other, having different issues, different opinions, this is one area in which the church should be a light to those around us. Right? People on the outside of the church should be able to look in and see even though these people, like, have so much diversity, there's a unity above the, about them. And that should be attractive. Um, this is why Paul um, talks so strongly about unity. In, in every single one of his um, epistles, in every one of his letters to the church, Paul always talks about Unity. So I want to talk about one more verse in which he does that. Ephesians 4, um, 1 through 6. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. This is a powerful verse. Three things I want to point out about this verse. First of all, um, 
It says to live a life worthy of your calling. What that does not mean is to um, show that you are worth the calling, right? You, You can't earn the calling of Christ. That is something given to us by grace. And so that doesn't equal, um, being being pious and, and, and showing um, off how great you are and how worthy of the calling you are. The fact is none of us are worthy of the calling. But the the word here for worthy, actually it, it more so means to, to, to align with, right? So we are to align ourselves with the calling of God. So whatever God has said of us, and he and Jesus Christ has said that we are uh, his people, his to be his, his united people. And so we um, are to align ourselves with that. We are, we are to come in alignment with that. In verse 3, this is point 2, one way um, we come into alignment with, with our calling is by uh, keeping the unity of the Spirit, right? That's what verse 3 says, keep the unity of the Spirit. And other translations say maintain this is an important point to me. It is not our job to create unity in the church. It is our job and our calling to maintain it. Through Christ, we, we have experienced a unified body. It is already here, but we, don't, we have to fight to, to keep it, right? We have to guard our hearts and keep that unity. Now, people all the time... Um, try and create unity and 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 programs and plans and seminars and um basically any anytime humans try and create unity it, it usually um doesn't work out great and it doesn't last forever but the unity that 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 god has given us if we choose to maintain that uh that will last forever the problem is a lot of times when we try and um, create unity, uh, just talking worldly, a lot of times we do that um, through uh, grouping ourselves with other people like us, right? It's real easy to uh, have a unified group of people that think the same, look the same, act the same, come from the same backgrounds, right? Um, but that's, that's, that's called a click, Right? That's not unity as God calls for us. That sort of thing is exclusive, right? That type of unity is exclusive to other people outside that. Oh, I, can, I can't be with them because I don't have anything in common with them, right? And that's, that's something we see all throughout the world. We see that everywhere. But the, the, the light that the church is called to be is, is unity in diversity, right? Just like the orchestra. Like we are to be unified with people who we don't share everything in common with. At least, at least other things other than Christ, right? Um, my third point um, is to notice all the ones, and this will be my closing point. Um, there's, there's seven ones here, right? One body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. And, and Paul is really trying to drive home this point. He's trying to sharpen our vision that, that if we have the singular thinking, that is how we become unified. 
by focusing on the things that really matter, not all the little things that, that we that we disagree on, but if we can uh, agree on what matters. So, so there is one body, right? Throughout the Bible, you will, you will not find the Bible ever endorsing um, doing life alone without people. That is not who we are created to be. We are created to be communal beings that are in relationship with others. We are created to be people that laugh with each other, that we cry with each other, when something good happens to you, I rejoice. I benefit from the good things that have happened to you. And when something bad happens to you, I feel it also. We are connected. Just as like if, if I was to break my hand, it, it, my whole body would recognize it, right? My head especially would be like, that, that really hurts. Not just ignore it. And, and so we are called to be one body. We're called to be one spirit. This is, this is oftentimes the source of all the problems in, in, in our world. The conflicts is that um, we're not of all, all of one spirit, right? People have their own spirits, their own agendas, their own ideas. They want to they wanna look out for their best interests, for their family's best interests, for their company's best interests. And that goes against the spirit of another family, another individual, another company, and so because of that, we, we have this, this uh, discord. But for us in the church, we are to be of one spirit. We are to have one direction. That's the spirit of Christ. This is a big one. We are to have one hope. Not two hopes, not three hopes, not one big hope with a couple little hopes just for backup. We are to have one hope in Christ. And, and, and that, you know, uh, I think a lot of times, you know, we, we see so much conflict, especially like in the political world, because people have different hopes, right? Whether your hope is in this president or the last one, you say, oh, your hope is in that, my hope's in this, I can't, you know, that's a disagreement. But we as Christians... Are to not, we're to recognize how futile the hope is in any kingdom of this world. We are, we, are, we are to have hope in the kingdom of God and not any kingdom of this world because the kingdoms of this world will fade no matter how great, no matter how wonderful they are. And, and, and that doesn't mean that, that we're not, you know, a, a citizen or anything like that, but that is to mean that we are to recognize where true hope comes from. And that is Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. And so we are to have one Lord. This kind of goes along with that. It says one Lord. Um, you know, we are to have our allegiance to God and God alone. And, and, and the Bible tells us to obey, you know, like in, in your life, I'm sure you experience, you have lots of people that have authority over you, your boss, um, police, the governor, the president, you know, all those people. But but the Bible teaches us that we obey those authorities because God tells us to obey those authorities, right? Not because they themselves are, are distinctly worthy of that, but because we are followers of Christ, right? And so our job is to, is to follow Christ and, and have our hope in that one Lord. We are to have one faith. And that faith, you know, the biblical word, Faith really just means trust. 
Like, do you have faith in God? Do you have trust in God? And does your life reflect that, that you have trust, one trust? Do you have one trust or do you have many trusts? And if we together all have one singular trust, we will become unified. We have one baptism. Baptism, you can think of, you know, there's a lot said about baptism, but I think the best way to think of it is baptism is to Christ what a wedding is to your spouse, right? It's a public declaration of a lifelong commitment you've made to one person. And so if you're married or you're not married, um, if you haven't figured this out, this is a good one. If you're married, that means you don't have eyes for anyone else, right? That means you are singularly focused on your spouse. And if it's not that way, you're dumb. You need to fix that. You need to have your eyes on one person. And so us as baptism, as, as baptized people in Christ and one baptism, we need to have our eyes singularly focused on God, not on things of this world, not, not on other hopes, not on our careers or, or, or money or, or anything else. The Bible says, have your eyes on things above, not things below. And so as a baptism, as one baptism, that is to be our focus. And the last one is, is one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. And what this basically means for us is that we have a big God, right, who is capable, who is in all, through all, above all. He doesn't have problems like we do, right? He, and so what that basically means is that we don't have to sweat the small stuff. We can have confidence in who God is, that our God is for us, that he is working with us, and so we can have unity and, and trust and confidence in who God is and that he is for us and that he is behind us and that we can sleep soundly knowing that he will take care of us. You know, a lot of times our, our conflicts end up being so petty because we're disagreeing over things that don't ultimately matter, right? But we are to be unified in, in one thing, we are to become a people through the work of the Holy Spirit, a unified body that even though we in this room, we are all different people. We have different ideas. We have different hobbies. We look different. But there's beauty in that if there's unity. If there's unity amongst us, people will see the unity in our diversity and be attracted to it. And want to be a part of it. And, and the diversity allows for inclusion. It allows people to say, come and be a part of what's going on here. So as we stand, um, I would like us today for, you know, for your homework to, to, to meditate and pray. To examine yourself. Am, am I singularly focused? Do I have one hope, one faith, one trust? Or do I find trust in other things? Do I trust in things around me?
Do I have other hopes? Jesus is not calling for us to have one hope and one sub-hope. One hope. And that is who he is. And if we can rally together around that, if we can all recognize that we have one hope together, then we will become unified. So let me pray as we close. Heavenly Father, I thank you for all that you're doing amongst us, your people. God, I just pray that your spirit would speak into our lives, God, that we would open ourselves up as a church to ask hard questions, God, to ask you, am I singularly focused on you or am I distracted by other things? Am I splitting my priorities? Am I splitting my devotion amongst other things? Or am I focused on you and you alone, Christ Jesus? God, we ask that you would just be at work in this congregation, God, that you would unify us, that we, in our unity, would become a light to the surrounding community, God, that that it would be attractive, that what you are doing here would be attractive to them, God. And I just pray that you would do mighty, mighty things through your word, through your spirit here in this place. We worship you and we praise you. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Oh, let's clap our hands. That's a great word. Clap our hands to the Lord. Woo! God's good to us. Can you say amen to that?